would get some of you very excited and some of you going, oof, repulsed and all that. But it's going to be a great study. Uh, how the power of words can heal or can curse. And that's what the power of words will be about. We'll be talking about that. hope you'll uh, come and be a part of each of those messages. But today, Labor Day weekend, I thought it would be good to just take a break and talk about work a little bit. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians, excuse me, Ephesians, Ecclesiastes 5 and uh, verses 18 through 20. That's going to be our main text today. Uh, so uh, if you would kind of find that in your Bibles that you held up. Uh, Johnny Paycheck wrote a song some years ago called Take This Job and Shove It. Any of you remember that one? Yeah, I ain't going to work here no more. <laughs> it's, uh, we've all felt that way, I'm sure, and sang or hummed that tune. Well, you know, during the recession, it gets harder and harder sometimes to find a job. People get laid off, and they're having to refocus and, and retool themselves. And uh, somebody suggested that they change the name of that song to shove that job. I'll take it. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we just need to have a different thought process about things. There was a college graduate who was interviewing for his first job. And when the HR director asked him what he was looking for, the young man explained that he wished to start at a salary of $100,000 a year, be placed in a corner office, and he wanted his own secretary. Mind you, he's a young college graduate. The HR person responded by adding to that and offering to match dollar for dollar his 501k, as well as an automobile of his choice, preferably a BMW. He looked at the young man and he asked him, he said, how does that sound to you? And the young man said, are you kidding? The HR guy said, of course I am, but hey, you started it. <laughs> Not everybody seems to appreciate their job. Perhaps you've read employee reviews as they have interviewed potential employees or as they've reviewed them. Let me read just a few of them. Since my last report, he has reached rock bottom and has started to dig. His men would follow him anywhere but only out of morbid curiosity. This guy slipped into the gene pool when no one was looking. The employee is This employee is really not so much of a has-been but more of a definitely won't be. Works well when under constant supervision and cornered like a, a rat in a trap. <laughs> when she opens her mouth, it seems that this is only to change whichever foot was previously there. <clears throat> he would be out of his depth in a parking lot puddle. This young lady has delusions of adequacy. She sets low personal standards and then consistently fails to achieve them. This employee should go far, and the sooner he starts, the better. <laughs> when his IQ reaches 50, he should sell. She donated her brain to science before she was finished using it. Last one. If you give him a penny for his thoughts, you'd get change. <laughs> when it comes to our career, most of us have our dream job. All of you know what your dream job is? Anybody? Okay. 
What's your dream job? What's your dream job, Bree? Doctor? She'd be a doctor. All right. Anybody else want to tell me what your dream job is? Taking care of babies. That's what you do now. Okay. It's your dream job. Okay. Anybody else? Dream job? Sam? Fishing guide. guide. (laughs) Why did that not (laughs) make sense? You don't want to be a head football coach? And Brad's aged 10 years in two months. That's right. See, jobs are a big deal. God understood the importance of work. In 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul says, We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and to earn the bread they eat. And it's for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. First Thessalonians, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Second Thessalonians 3, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, If a man will not work, he shall not eat. How many of you believe that? <coughs> Proverbs laziness brings on deep sleep and shiftless and the shiftless man goes hungry. Again in Proverbs the sluggard's craving will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. Ephesians 5:28 he who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with his hands. There's several reasons why so many people are not happy with their jobs. Some feel underappreciated. Nobody tells you you're doing a good job. Show up, get the work done, do it right, do it with excellence, shut up and go home. But every now and then it's good to kind of get a pat on the back, and it's Hey, way to go! Way to go! Way to go! Instead of a clenched fist saying, What's wrong with you? Lazy sluggard? Others are in the careers they are because the parents kind of channeled them that way. And they did, they did it so they wouldn't be in trouble with mom and dad. Some of us did it for the money. Boy, I went after this job because of the money. I can make a lot of money doing this job. How's that working for you? As Dr. Phil would say. But one of the Interesting things in our culture now are the folks who are changing in midstream. They were doing one job in a career and just that, no fulfillment, no happiness, and have just either through layoffs or just a change of heart have gone and retooled themselves. There's so many opportunities to do that in our, in our day and age. Uh, and if you find yourself there, I would, I would encourage you to think about that. If you, if you go to Google and you put in career change, Over 28 million choices pop up. Wow. That's a lot of choices. Almost too many, amen? 28 million. But I think there's some ways. I'm going to give you three ways that you can appreciate your job more. First, whatever your job is, view it as a blessing. View it as a blessing. 
you're following the outline, it's your first fill in there. Fill it, you know, view it as a blessing. Some people base their work on the story of Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, the thought process is, is that they never had to work. There wasn't any work involved while they were in the garden. And then when sin entered the picture, God cursed who? The ground. He didn't curse them. He cursed the ground. And He said, the ground is not going to be as fertile for you. You're going to have to work it harder and make it produce better. So they, somewhere in that process, they understood how to work and what it meant to work because they still needed to work the ground. It's just whatever they touched grew. (laughs) Whatever they labored on, it grew. And they didn't have to labor very hard to make it grow. But once sin entered the picture, that changed. A few selected verses from the book of Genesis says, By the seventh day God had finished the work He had been doing, so on the seventh day He rested from all His work. You know, I mean, God understood work. I mean, He just made the universe and the stars and the sky and the earth and man. He understood work. So if you're not working, get a job. I, heard, I had a young person tell me one time, it's, it's, I, it's more profitable for me to draw unemployment than it is to go find a job. How, that's a backward society we live in. Crazy culture we live in. There's no incentive for you to get off of the dole and go to work. There ought to be an incentive, amen? But I'm telling you as a Christian, there is an incentive. It's called God. God wants you to do that. He wants you to work goes on to say, And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it He rested from all the work of creating that He had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. Verse 15, So the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man so that he would name, uh, name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the air and all the beasts of the field. You see, from day one, God gave Adam responsibilities to complete in the, in the Garden of Eden. So young people, when God... When your parents through God through your parents gives you a list of things to do, do it as unto the Lord. Clean up your room. Take out the trash. Mow the yard. Take a bath every day. Put on deodorant. Please. Don't hit your sister. Please. But God set the example for us. So what happened when Adam and Eve sinned is that the Garden of Eden, they were banished from there, and the work became harder because He cursed the ground. In chapter 3, verse 17, to Adam He said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. 
By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. It's that simple. Work. Get up and go to work. Well, I'm retired. Go to work anyway. Most people I know that are retired work more now than they did when they had to, they had to put in the time at work. It's just as crazy as thing you've ever seen. They retired to rest, only to find out, people find out you're retired, and they call you because they know you don't have anything else going on. And all of a sudden, you've got a whole lot going on. Now, I like Brother Ralph's schedule. Brother Ralph's schedule is 8 o'clock, McDonald's, every day. He gets through at McDonald's. I don't know what he does. But it, the man is always at McDonald's, and he's eating breakfast. And when he had that little sick spell... Those guys at McDonald's didn't know what to do because Ralph wasn't there. Because Ralph opens the door. He's waiting for him. And usually all he eats is, he drinks a cup of coffee, I think. That's all, he, that's all he does. But I'm telling you, all the world problems are solved by that little group of men down at McDonald's every morning. <laughs> they solve it. If you don't believe it, ask them. But God didn't curse Adam and Eve. He cursed the ground. Work has never been a curse, but a gift from God and a part of His purpose and plan for us from the very beginning. The way sin impacted our work is simply that it made it more difficult to accomplish than it once was. Best way to choose a career or to improve your is to first of all improve your attitude about your current position and look at it differently. Be grateful you've got a job. Be grateful. Well, I don't make enough money. Be grateful. Gratitude goes a long way. The word thank you goes a long way. The word appreciate, I appreciate you goes a long way. You don't know the pressure that your employer is under to pay your salary. You see. There's a lot of factors that feed into all those things. But it's a blessing and let it be a blessing. Ronald Reagan I had a famous saying that said, The man who does what he loves will never work another day in his life. Isn't that true? That's so true. One of the things you should ask yourself about your current job is, is, something that, is it something that you can fall in love with doing? Or is it something I have a passion for? Or are you excited each day to get back to facing the challenges that it presents to you? See, you've got to evaluate where you are. Sometimes that grass is greener on the other side of the fence. That green grass doesn't last very long once you jump the fence. Oftentimes it's just an attitude adjustment. So number one, view your job as a blessing. Number two, view your job as a bridge. It's a bridge. The right job will be a bridge for you to accomplish many wonderful things. Let me give you just a few obvious ones. The first one is it's a bridge for building a good reputation. If you work hard and you do your job with excellence, people are going to speak well of you and think well of you. Isn't that important? It's very important. It's very important. When Don Baker actually worked a job, he doesn't work a job anymore. He just mows grass. Well, you ask him. He just mows grass. That's all he does. Of course, he's got 40 of them that he mows. Huh. But when he worked for, a, uh, for PSO, one day he, had a, he said a cuss word at work, I think. I remember the story, right? And one of the guys at work said, Hey, you can't talk like that. <laughs> Why couldn't he talk like that? Because 
that was out of character for the reputation that he has he presented over the years. That's neat, isn't it? That somebody would notice. And somebody would call him on it and say, you can't talk that way. Don't talk that way. I love that. Every job, somebody said, every job is a self-portrait of the person who does it. It's an autograph that your work, that you work with excellence. I like that. Second thing that's obvious about jobs being a bridge is that it's a bridge for ministering to the needs of others. So your job offers you a wonderful opportunity. In Galatians 6, Paul said, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. He also said in Philippians 2, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. If you pay close attention, you may find that the reason God has you placed where you are in the job that you're in is because there's an opportunity for you to reflect the image of God, the image of Christ in that workplace. Jeff works for Apple. They call him church. At, at, at work. At church. That's good. They know what he's about. They know who he is. Amen. Amen. If we play close attention, God can reveal to you what's going on. Thirdly, it's a bridge for introducing the reality of Jesus Christ. Many people who you work with will never come to a church, will never get on television and hear a gospel message, they will not get in their automobile and drive to any type of a crusade. So what does that leave? It leaves a very powerful tool that's called you and me in the workplace. And by your very behavior, can influence them for Christ. By your very behavior. Now God does not, I don't believe God wants you to bring a Bible to work and start beating people up with it. I just don't believe that. You're at work to work. During the break time, you're not supposed to be passing out tracts and, you know, Holy Spirit this and Holy Spirit that and slaying them or whatever you do to But you can be a model of what the New Testament teaches about the life of Christ in your attitude and how you handle stress and how you handle tough times at work or wherever it is. In Colossians 4 Paul says it this way, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Sherry Blair and I were talking about uh, working, and uh, she, she said, I always liked working with men. Less drama. She said, I don't like working with a whole room full of women. It's just too much drama. I don't know about that. I don't know anything about that. I have to work with a woman at this church, so I think it's okay. She's great. I just want to go on record. She's all right. Some drama. Some drama. Easy. Easy. Why are you doing in here? You're not supposed to be in here. First... First Peter, here we go, says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that's in you, but do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. That's you. That's you. How you live. How you carry yourself. 
there was a man some years ago that did, didn't really have a lot of education. His name was Albert. He was the kind of a person that often got overlooked in a crowd. It would have been easy for him to been an anonymous attender even at the church where he went. But the preacher gave him a very important job. He said, Albert, every Sunday, your job is to light the heater of the baptistry. Because there's nothing worse than a convert ready to be baptized who has to step into ice cold water. There's just, it's, just, it's just not a good thing. Even though they remember that baptism. And we've baptized a few when it was really cold. Usually I have Don or Gary get in when they do that. That way the water's real cold. In fact, Don did get in with one. It was wintertime, wasn't it? It, did. it was cold. <clears throat> and I noticed that was the fastest prayer I've ever heard Don pray. It was an amazing, amazing moment. But that was his job. That was his job. He later had a job driving a milk truck for home deliveries. But he then changed careers somewhere along the line and became an insurance salesman, of all things. Life insurance. And it was really interesting because he would go to these conferences and all of that, and he'd be around people who drank, especially those that smoked. And in time, they all knew that Albert didn't do any of that. But he always carried a box of matches with him. And when the, when the breaks would come and the people would go to light up, he would be the first one there with a match. And they would all look at him funny and they would receive his, his lighting of their cigarette. And then one of them asked him one time, said, but you don't smoke. He said, no, but you know what? Every Sunday, I get to light the heater of the baptistry at our church. Now what just happened? He got a chance to witness, didn't he? about lighting the baptistry at the church. Because most people are going to say, well, what's a baptistry? Open door. You see what I'm saying? But he came ready to help somebody else, only to have an opportunity to witness. So see, we can be the same way. So, what kind of bridges are you building to introduce people to Christ? So number one, see your job as a blessing. Number two, see it as a bridge. And then thirdly, see it as a building project. There's two particularly strong passages of Scripture which, if taken to heart and applied, will change the heart and the mind of a Christian about their job, whatever that job is. Here's the first one. Colossians 3. <clears throat> Paul says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. The Lord Christ you are serving. And the implication of that verse is, as a Christian, it is much more important how you do what you do to earn a living than what you do to earn a living. You can be a burger flipper at McDonald's, but doing it with excellence and doing it with integrity, being on time, working your shift, doing what you're asked to do, and maybe even a little bit more with a cheerful spirit can go a long way. Go a long way. Jobs can transform us, and we can use jobs to transfer, transform others. 
when you begin to view your occupation as both a way to honor God and to represent God, it makes that task a little bit easier to deal with. And the second passage is very, very important. It's 1 Corinthians 3. For we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field, God's building. And by the grace of God that He's given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it's burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Now let that passage, the truth of that passage soak in. Reconsider what you do or what, you can, what you're considering doing and evaluate it in light of the important teaching from that passage. Whatever we do, we work for the Lord. When I got out of high school, I wanted to play football. I was going to play for the Dallas Cowboys. I was going to wear number 74 because Bob Lilly had it at that time and it was time for him to give it up. Somebody else was coming along that was going to make Bob Lilly look like a has-been. Really? State championship game we were playing against San Antonio Lee and we played in Texas Stadium. First high school state championship ever played there. By the way. And we were the home team, by the way. And we got to dress out in the Cowboys locker room, by the way. And guess which locker I picked? Bob Lilly. He wore 74, so did I. I could never play as good as Bob Lilly on my greatest day. But boy, when you're 18 years old, you think, I got this. I got this. And we lost by one point. 28 to 27. On a long pass into the game. Right out and leading that receiver. And he caught it and he took off and he scored. And I was looking at my letter jacket that had state champions on the letter. Through the, through the hole in the stadium. And I saw it go poof. <laughs> just like that. That's how fast it comes and goes. Amen? But whatever you do, do it for the Lord. We're fellow workers with Him and with other Christians. And the sum of our labors is going to be inspected by God at the end of our lives. God is going to inspect the building projects that we have utilized throughout the years. He's going to be looking to see if we built our lives and our professional reputations with products that will stand the test of time, will stand the storms of life. Or have we built the kind that crumble under pressure? Little James started school this year. and Chrissy was telling me how wonderful his new teacher is. First year teacher, isn't that right? Yeah, just a young, young gal. Eyes were this big, you know. She says, James is a very active young man. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Now, at the end of the year, she'll describe him probably a lot different. But at least right now, he's very active. But, Chrissy also found she's a Christian. 
And she, so that affects the way she treats, uh, teaches kids and treats kids, you see, because she's a Christian a woman. And I love Jinx because there's a lot of teachers like that. I love being on the football program, being around it, to, to watch these coaches that are full of the Lord. And, man, they, it's awesome that they have the opportunity to share that. One of the first things Brad wanted established at Booker T. Washington was that he had some spiritual outreach. And I was going to go try to help him with that. And he said, hey, I've already got a, I've got a spiritual guy. I've got a spiritual guy. And that's good because that spiritual guy could do work that I couldn't do in that culture up there. But it's clear when you read the New Testament that ultimately we're going to give an account for what we've done with our talents, with our treasures, and with our time. The test of fire eventually comes to every one of us. And how we hold up under it will make all the difference in the world. Three men worked side by side as masons on a great cathedral. Each one was asked why he did what he did. And the first man answered that he was working for a certain amount of money each day. The second man said he was a bricklayer and did so to pay off a hospital debt. And the third man said he was building a great building for the worship of Almighty God. Well, there you go. Three men doing the same job with different perspectives. Solomon said it this way in Ecclesiastes 5, 18 and 19, where we want to focus. Then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given him. We won't be here forever. So what you're doing, do it for the Lord so that God will be pleased. Mother Teresa was interviewed by one of our American television networks. She's a missionary Calcutta, India, working among uh, those that had leprosy. She gave her life feeding starving people in ministry to the dying. The person conducting the interview asked Mother Teresa about her feelings of being used of God to minister to the poor. Her little work was known worldwide. Even the President of the United States knew her and her labor of love. But the interviewer asked her, but is it his work that you're proud of? And she answered this way. Mother Teresa said, but it is his work I think God wants to show his greatness by using my nothingness. You feel you have no special qualities? Mother Teresa then replied, I don't think so. I don't claim anything of the work. It's His work. And I'm a little pencil in His hand. I'm a little pencil in His hand. You see, that's all that God needs is a little pencil in His hand to do a great work. So what are you doing? What are you letting God do? And are you ready to be a pencil, a little pencil in the hand of God to do a great work? Only you can answer that. Only you can answer that. Pray with me, would you? Father, I thank you for this time this morning. I thank you for the opportunity we've had to share from your word. I pray, Father, that someone today is will be blessed and touched because of the message. That, Father, they will re-examine and re-look at some of their work that they do and they're involved in. And they'll also begin to see it as a blessing. Not as a curse, but as a blessing. And not only as a blessing, but a bridge. And God, then, that they will take that work and 
become a shining light in a dark world. Father, we're living in a time and a culture that needs you more than more now than ever. So God, I'm praying that you will do a mighty work in each of us in the respective jobs that we do. And that we can be that bold witness for you. Not by what we say, but by how we work and how we carry ourselves. God, if there's somebody here that needs to make a decision of any kind, would you give them the courage to do it in Jesus' name? We pray. Amen. A hymn of invitation. Jesus is tenderly calling. Let's stand together. And if God's tugging on your heart.